and you really need someone to look and say that's where the hole is in your application your experience is good but you don't have enough legal work experience or your current role is not allowing you to showcase to chambers how you could do x and y um so i think getting that tailored advice is really important Hello everyone and welcome to the Student Lawyer Podcast Series. Whether you're at school, sixth form, university, thinking about a career in law or exploring law careers, you're in the right place. We are the one-stop shop for student lawyers. If you'd like to join the Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com. This episode is sponsored by the University of Law. What really sets the University of Law apart from other universities is its belief that its students should learn in a realistic, professional and contemporary context. They focus exclusively on practice-based training and give students access to their extensive career service and jobs vacancy database as soon as they accept a place with them. Through the University of Law's pro bono programme, law students can hone their skills by working on real cases before they graduate. The University of Law offers a range of postgraduate legal training and master's degrees designed by qualified experts to help students advance at any stage of their career. Their courses are employment focused, honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. Part-time and online study options are also available on many of their courses to help students work and study at the same time. To find out more about the courses on offer, click the link in the description box of the podcast. Welcome to the Student Lawyer Podcast Series. My name's Camilla and I'm a future trainee solicitor and current LPC student. In this episode, we're delighted to be joined by Joanne Kane, an experienced junior barrister practicing in serious crime and fraud. Joanne is also chair of the Young Barristers Committee of the Bar Council of England and Wales. And in 2019, she was awarded Pegasus Scholarship by Lincoln's Inn. So without further ado, um, let's welcome Joanne onto the show. Thank you, Joanne, for joining us today. It's great to have you with us. It's a pleasure. Thanks very much, Camilla. So before we, as a kind of like an icebreaker, just to get in, to get us into the show, um, I wondered if you could give the listeners an overview of your practice. So, yeah, I mean, my practice pre and post COVID has slightly changed. So it's, it's, it's a different question than if you'd asked me this a year or a year and a few months ago. But, you know, by and large, um, I started off um, from the point of pupillage doing um, criminal work and um, with a specific lens on defence. And um, I have had the opportunity to do various things, whether it's um, serious crime um, or fraud cases, or um, now I do a little bit more of um, regulation. So um, healthcare regulation, and I've done a couple of secondments in my time since I qualified as a pupil. So yeah, I've just, it's been great in terms of range. And um, I'd say that no day is the same. I think that's quite a standard response for a lot of people at the bar. Um, When I'm at court, I tend to be going to court day in, day out, which is why I love podcasts myself, because they're often my company on the train. Um, And yeah, so it's really my practice is no two days tend to be the same unless you're in a particularly long trial. Um, But yeah, it's I think the variety is what keeps it interesting. Yeah, that does sound like a, a big variety of things that you've you've um, been doing. And I just want to 
ask you about secondments actually, because I think that um, people talk about secondments in terms of like solicitors going on secondments. And I feel like it seems more um, usual for, for that to happen. But is it quite common for barristers to also go on secondments? Like how did that come about? So barristers do go on secondments, especially um, quite junior barristers. I did my first secondment not long after completing my pupillage. It's a really good way of developing your knowledge potentially into a new practice area or potentially just working through a different lens. So for example, um, because I was coming at my work from a purely defense mindset um, at the beginning, my secondment gave me the opportunity to see things from a regulator standpoint. Um, so yeah, we um, often hear, especially after the pandemic, a lot of junior barristers are doing secondments in various different, um, whether it's to a law firm, a regulator, um, the, there's really a huge range available. But what I would say is that it's a good way for junior barristers to also experience what the culture is like outside of chambers because chambers have their own very specific culture and being in that different setting um is is actually really useful I think for just developing your own practice and your awareness and how different people like to work so it's a good chance for us to sort of be borrowed for a little while and and get a feel for things and then continue on with our own work hopefully taking the things that we've learned with us as we go Oh, that sounds really good. When it comes to your journey into the bar, did you face challenges along the way? How how was your journey? And and if you did have challenges, how did you overcome those? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody has challenges getting into the profession that they want to. You know, there's, there's no one's path that's entirely smooth. I mean, for me, I wanted to come to the bar from quite a young age. Um, and it was something that I was always keeping one eye on. Um, So for example, I know lots of people go to university and do their degree with a mindset of, you know, maybe doing various different things. My, my trip to university was a tick list on the way to hopefully becoming a barrister. Um, But I think we all face challenges um, in that, whether it is trying to get the experience that you want, whether that is, Um, experience from a practical perspective so actual work experience as some people would call it but as listeners to this podcast will probably know whether it's getting you know VAC scheme experience or mini pupillage experience Um, and it gets increasingly competitive so I I think it's even more competitive now even than it was a couple of years ago Um, and I think so of course there were there were certainly challenges and I think um, a huge part of my my understanding and my friend's understanding of the whole process is it's about perseverance because you know it's all about finding what fits for you and it's only when you've ticked the boxes that get you through the door that you then realize that although I was doing these things to get them on paper so someone could see them without them I really wouldn't have understood what I was getting myself in for in the same way um and I mean, I was really lucky because my inn is Lincoln's Inn and they run um, a scheme for young barristers who maybe aren't as clued up as to what the profession wants or expects. They maybe don't know someone who's going to look at their application form and say, you need to do more mini pupillages or you need to do some advocacy work. And they run this brilliant scheme that I took advantage of. And now I take part in from the other side 
and it's a really, really valuable scheme. So I would just say if anybody does want to be um, either a, a future pupil or um, trainee, don't be, don't ever be too afraid to look for what's the help available because you may as well get it. It's, it's usually professional people who are offering their time for free and, and it's, it's a really great way to sort of start things off. And also you make some good friends, some of my good friends, the people that I met through doing that. Oh, brilliant. Um, if I can find details to the scheme um, online, I'll, I'll leave it in the description box for the listeners be great. who want to check that out. Um, and you mentioned you mentioned that you wanted to be a, a barrister for, I assume, a, a, a while before you went to university. How, how did yeah. how did you know that you wanted to be a barrister, and and how did how did you make the decision between barrister and solicitor? It's it's funny for me because um, from quite a young age, because of the fact that I was really into, I just loved reading. So always, um, sort of the essay type subjects appealed to me. Um, and so a lot of people started saying to me, oh, you'd probably like to be a lawyer. Um, and, and then I'm quite opinionated and I've always been quite sort of like, um, even at school, you know, would always have had kind of, um, an interest in, you know, policy and what's going on in the world. And so I think people started sort of saying it to me um, and I really enjoyed public speaking at school and you can probably tell I'm a bit of a chatterbox. And so those sorts of traits, people start to mention that to you. Um, I took part in the in the Bar National Mark Trial competition when I was at school and that really cemented it for me because barristers volunteer through the project. They come into your school and they let you try the wig and and gown and everything oh, wow. on and yeah so it really sort of implanted and I had an amazing English teacher Mrs O'Neill and she sort of encouraged them to help us out and things and it, so it all sort of it all sort of snowballed from there and um yeah so I can't put an exact precise moment on it but I think very very early on into my secondary education it was something that I was really wanted and um, so yeah <laughs> Great. That's yeah. That sounds like um, you had like a really supportive school who, yeah, gave you those opportunities, like bringing in um, people to let you try on those wigs. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, and, it's uh, great. And the, and the scheme lets other barristers do it too. So even if your school doesn't have those contacts, we had two great barristers. We had Con- Connor and Tony Lunny, and they were brilliant. But but all schools can have access to this because they can tap into the resource. So that's brilliant from a social mobility perspective obviously yeah yeah that sounds really good and what would advice would you give to someone who's interested in a career at the criminal bar but is worried about the viability of, of that due to the legal aid cuts yeah I think actually through the young barristers committee I've been you know taking part in some of the discussions about the criminal legal aid review um and you know whether you want to enter in as a solicitor or a barrister you have to go into things with your eyes wide open so the best advice that I could give is do the mini pupillages sit down with people who'll talk to you very straight about things um and that's that's what I had and so that's what I would encourage other people to do talk to people and actually say to them what do you think I should do? And, you know, then you can take that advice in any way that you want. But 
but just be informed. And the best way is by talking to people because there's so much information out there um, that it actually gets very complicated because if you try to look into what the fees are, it doesn't mean very much. A lot of it is encoded language. If you just sit down with someone, have a mini pupillage. I make a point if someone is on a mini pupillage with me to make sure that we get lunch or coffee um, during it so that you're out of the court environment and hopefully you can ask those questions. And I also think that most junior barristers are happy to have that chat with someone if they want to reach out. Right. So just to say to them, like, you know, I've seen these stats. I'm a bit worried about them. How will this actually impact the profession, etc.? Yeah, most people are most people will be very frank in response. I think the the really amazing thing about the mini pupillage opportunities, and I know they're not easy to come by. I I know that. Um they take a lot of hard work to get there. But that's why, you know, if there are ever careers events and things, I encourage people to go. I asked people so many questions when I was starting out. Um, and the great thing about I think the profession is that people are very candid and they'll tell you the pros and the cons of anything that you know you ask them about it's gaining access I understand I don't pretend that it's an easy thing to gain access but you know I really do hope that oh I'm going to do a plug now there's a pupillage fair later in the year we always go along we have one-to-one clinics with people who are thinking about coming to the bar they're really valuable I think I had like a 10-minute lunch break through the whole day and it was just constant zoom chats with people and I came away from it more invigorated about my job than even I had gone into it because talking to people who have that enthusiasm reminds you of what a privilege it is um, but I'd encourage anybody who's keen to come along and just even if you don't want to sit and do that one-to-one soak in the talks and that will at least help because it's all about gaining knowledge and making sure that you're prepared going into this um and that's really the best advice that I can give yeah that's, that sounds like really good advice and it's it's great that um people can get that access you know to have a chat with, with barristers one-on-one via zoom I think that I think that's brilliant so um, I mentioned at the beginning that you are chair of the um, Young Barristers Committee. Um, so I just wondered if you could tell the listeners a little bit more about the Young Barristers Committee, what it does, what its aims are, those sort of things. So the Young Barristers Committee is um, a committee of the Bar Council of England and Wales. And a young barrister is a barrister who is under seven years call now just in case because before I started my bar journey I didn't actually know really what call was and when it comes in the process so I'm going to be extremely obvious and just chat that through so after the point that you um, get either your qualifying law degree or you do a different degree and the GDL a lot of people make the decision then whether to do the LPC to be a solicitor um, or the bar course to become a barrister and it's upon passing that course that you get called to the bar Um, but it's only after the point um, where you get a pupillage that we actually look out for people. So we're not so much um, orientated at the people who are wanting to be a barrister. We're in your first seven years. So even if, for example, um, you're called a few years before you start your pupillage because you're doing other work, for example, it's from the point of actually doing practice that we'll look after you. Um, And we essentially act as 
um, a body that represents anyone in those first seven years. And therefore, we look out for challenges um, that face the people in those first seven years. So retention, for example, is an issue um, that we do our best to look at. Now, we've been doing work this year through the lens of well-being, because well-being, obviously, and retention often go hand in hand. Um, We've been looking at um, matters like fees um, and whether fees can, you know, actually um, be improved or adjusted in ways that actually makes people want to stay within the profession for longer. And, And also just looking at things that, you know, anything that comes up that impacts culture at the bar, we obviously have a vested interest in looking at. Um, And also, we just want to be a good point of contact so that, for example, um, pupils were surveyed during the pandemic and raised concerns that, you know, although thankfully they said that they felt they were being, by and large, very well supported by their chambers, but they were missing out on just meeting people and networking and having that kind of, um, I, I would say, that trench mentality of your first day and meeting all the people who are starting with you and you think, right, we're in this together and they weren't getting that. So in response to that, we did an online um, networking event, um, the 20 Essex Street, um, 20 Essex sponsored, and we made sure that everybody could come together and have a conversation and move between different rooms and, and exchange numbers. Because as much as it's great to have the support of people who are more senior in chambers, there's nothing like also being able to speak to your peers who understand what you're going through at the same time. So that's just a little taster. We also get involved in the Bar Council's general policy work. Um, We have representatives on every other committee of the Bar Council, I think every other committee, at least many of them. And then we feed in all the issues that are impacting young barristers and we meet regularly and discuss those. Um, And it's basically, we are the port of call for any young barrister who thinks something's not actually being done as we'd like it to and how can we make things better. So it's a really, really rewarding thing to do and I've really enjoyed this year especially because we're adjusting to online working and we're we're facing things that are brand new challenges to us and yeah it's it's really really been interesting and enjoyable and the committee is full of enthusiastic people who actually want to make a difference and um, contribute to the profession so it's it's really it's really energizing and a really lovely thing to do alongside you know my other work Wonderful. So um, if there's a junior barrister who is, yeah, concerned about something in the profession and just wants to raise it with someone so that you guys can, can like look into it and, and make any sort of suggestions, then, then yeah. you guys would be the, the ones to do that. That's, that sounds really good. Before we get into the second half of the episode, I'd like to take this opportunity to talk about the sponsors of today's show and the law school that I chose to study my LPC at, and that's the University of Law. The University of Law believes in training students for the real world from the moment they accept a place. Their experienced career service and award-winning pro bono clinics offer students the chance to get real-life experience from the start. They offer a range of postgraduate legal training and master's degrees designed by qualified experts to help students advance at any stage of their career. Their courses are employment focused, honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. Part-time and online study options are also available on many of their courses to help students work and study at the same time. 
To find out more about the courses on offer, click the link in the description box of the podcast. Just going back to some of the issues that junior barristers are currently facing, I know we've spoken about some of them um, due to the pandemic, but um, do you think there are any other issues that, that are out there at the moment and, and what support do you think maybe is needed going forward for, for them? I think it changes all the time and it varies according to what sort of practice someone has. So, for example, um, the criminal courts last year, um, jury trials were not happening very much because of the fact that, you know, court capacity just couldn't allow all those people within a a very um, small space. I mean, obviously, things improved as time went on and we didn't have a complete cessation, but there was a point where there were just very few trials proceeding. So that obviously has a knock-on impact on whether people feel that, you know, this is viable for them to continue. It it has an impact on, you know, how people feel they can be supported. Um, And then we had other areas of law who were actually saying, we're thriving, we're doing really well, but um, I never see my colleagues. I'm locked to my desk. I'm self-employed. I saw people not very often before, and now I'm not seeing anyone. And so it's just trying to, um, I guess, react in real time as people are bringing up each of these concerns. So I think in terms of going forward, I think the challenges will remain retention. Um, and I think that we also need to bear in mind the fact that you know, none of us saw this pandemic on the horizon. I was vice chair last year and myself and then chair Catherine Duncan were just reacting to things as they happened. Whereas now, I think, I think the challenge is now how, how to use remote working in the most effective way going forward. Because what we have seen is there are advantages, there are financial advantages um, to, I think, everyone. Um, but sometimes it's not appropriate, um, for example, if you have a vulnerable client to be in that scenario. So now I think it's about getting the balance right. And I think it's about letting the profession's voice be heard in those policies So yeah, those are some things going forward. And just, I think from the YBC perspective as well, we wanted to do a bit of social mobility outreach that we were not able to do because um, a lot of the um, initiatives that we wanted to sponsor essentially were paused for the pandemic. And now that they're sort of hopefully starting up again, we can throw our weight behind those because we want to make this profession um, you know, as diverse as we possibly can. So those are all the things that are exciting me at the moment. And we're also, um, as the YBC, looking into a review of the youth justice system. And there are big problems with our youth justice system. And that's one way in which we can look at this from the political lens and see if we can give our input, because it's our members who are going into the youth courts, for example, um, to hopefully try and make the system better for the people who are in it. So. That's some of our work going forward. I could pick about a few different things, but that's a taster. <laughs> no, it sounds like you're really busy. Um, and yeah, I mean, I suppose the pandemic has just been one of those things that just came out of the blue. And and as, like you said, it has been reacting to that for the past year and a bit. So hopefully now everyone is starting to at least become used to remote working. And I suppose you can just think about planning things going forward rather than like being so reactive absolutely 
So if barristers have, um, if aspiring barristers have missed out on a spot for pupillage this year, what advice would you give to them? Um, yeah, just in general. So what I would say is I have so much sympathy for anyone who went through the pupillage process in the last year. I think it's a really, I think it's a really stressful process for anyone going through it because, um, you know, you're going in with really high hopes and the statistics are, you know, quite stark in terms of how many people will make it through each year. And and I know that this year was really difficult and, you know, people were being interviewed online for the first time, which, you know, throws in all of its of its own challenges. What I would say is I really think that taking advice from someone who actually looks at your application form is the best thing because um, generic advice only goes so far and you really need someone to look and say that's where the hole is in your application your experience is good but you don't have enough legal work experience or your current role is not allowing you to showcase to chambers how you could do x and y Um, So I think getting that tailored advice is really important. I also think that during this pandemic, a lot of people have become quite detached from, you know, each other. We've all become a bit more detached from the world generally. And I think that it's really important that when inns or universities are offering these um, sessions, don't just think it's another online session that you just you know, we've all got Zoom fatigue. We've all had so many meetings on Teams. But I have to say that one of the things that really helped me when I was applying for pupillage was being really immersed in the profession. I went to the in events, I went to the lectures. And it means that when you get to interview stage, you get this sort of, um, I don't know, as you go on, your knowledge just becomes stronger of the issues facing the profession. And those are all the sorts of things you get asked about in your interview. So I would say, do not disengage. If you've fallen away a bit, you haven't been going to events, just try and actively switch that off and really, really try to do as much as you can with a view to just getting more and more knowledge. Um, And I think that's probably the best thing that I could suggest alongside the tailored advice to your application form. I think that's brilliant advice. Um, I remember when I was applying for training contracts, um, I was yeah attending lots of these events, maybe too many, but... Um, oh, me too. <laughs> Way too many. <laughs> I'm fit them in at all times. Um, but but um, yeah, I mean, I did think, oh, I wonder if this is actually helping because... You know, I'm hearing the same sort of thing over and over again. Is this a waste of my time? But actually, you do hear different things from different people. And it just builds up like a layer, doesn't it? The more you, yeah. hear, the more you hear stuff, the, you know, the, the better you'll, you'll know about the industry. And then the more people you hear from, the wider your, your knowledge will be, I think. So I don't think that's... Absolutely. I totally agree. And sometimes and sometimes you hear from people and that stuff stays with you for a long, long time. Like I can still remember some of the people who give the more effective talks to me when I was, you know, um, starting out. And, you know, now I know that if I see them on a speaker bill doing something, I'm like, oh, I'm definitely going to go and see them because they were brilliant. So it actually, you know, it'll stand by you more in the long term too. And, you know, it's all about just consolidating knowledge, but also 
Um, by going to these things, you also find out who your peers are who are in the same position and you make not just, it's not really just about making contacts. It's also about making your own friends and the people that you want to talk this through with because applying for pupillage is the only part of this that I know. I don't know about the training contact contract process as well from first-hand knowledge but you know it's important to have people you can talk it through with and celebrate the wins and when you have a bad day you say oh you won't believe what I said in this interview and it's really nice to have someone say yeah but I understand why you did that because I did this in another interview so that camaraderie is really important too I think. I completely agree. Um I kind of asked this question a little bit earlier, but I'll I'll just ask directly for for you to maybe give advice to, to the listeners. Um, do you have any advice for those who are currently unsure about whether to pursue a career as a solicitor or a barrister? No. <laughs> I, this might be a little bit controversial. Okay. So this is why I paused. If, if you're if you're unsure it's probably not for you right we all we all have moments of self-doubt and worry and if you for example come in one day and you think do you know what this isn't going to work out for me because I've just been in a room with 30 other people who are all applying for the same job and they're all brilliant so there's no point Everyone has those moments. So I'm not saying that there's no room for self-doubt. There absolutely is. Yeah. But I think if you're balancing it on the scale, you need to want it more than you don't want it. Yeah. Um, Because it's hard. Um, Because even when you have a really positive pupillage experience, which I did, um, you know, it's, it's really hard work. And there are points when you have to just persevere. So you have to want to do it. Um, And so, but at a very early stage, I do understand how you can say, look, there are loads of options open to me. Um, I'm just not sure what to sort of pin my colors to. The best thing is to do a bit of work experience if you can. Um, And, you know, there are other resources out there. You know, um, The Secret Barrister has written a book about the profession. Alexandra Wilson has written her journey through her pupillage um, and and before. But, you know, there are other resources. So I would say get creative and don't be put off by people who maybe look at you and don't think you're a barrister in the making or solicitor in the making. Because, you know, I... I do remember at points when I was really keen to enter the profession and I was, I think, probably a student at the time and I spoke to a few people and, you know, they weren't necessarily the most welcoming people in the world. That's not you, that's them. That's one bad experience with one person who's unfriendly and don't let that, I mean, I really don't think that's the norm, by the way, but, you know, just because somebody who's just met you for five minutes maybe doesn't take that much interest in you doesn't mean that you know you won't get there um so I would say just try to think do you want it yourself is that the reason why you want to do the job and if your only worries are the fact that you may not get there that's probably pretty normal and just push through that that's really good advice thank you for sharing that So I've noticed that you're quite active on Twitter and I just wanted to ask. (laughs) I just wanted to ask, how important do you think it is for barristers to have a social media presence? 
And if you think it's important, do you think that students should start building an online brand now or, um, or not? I think everyone you would ask would have a different answer to that question. Okay. But what I will say is that when I was first wanting pupillage, um, my one of my housemates at the time said to me, oh, you should get a Twitter account because I have a little Twitter account. You know, hers is like a great account, but she sort of downplayed it because she's being modest and said, I have a Twitter account and, you know, um, I went to a pupillage interview and they asked me about it and they were interested in it. And she said, I think you should have some sort of, you know, online presence. So I kind of thought, oh, well, maybe, maybe I should. And so I started tweeting probably again it's it's quite sad how many things were sort of I didn't do it for being on Twitter because I'd never been on Facebook so I wasn't kind of plugged into social media at the time and she sort of said no it's a good way you know and there's a really nice legal community on Twitter and you know it's it's really nice and I think personally for me it was a good decision I think it really helped my um awareness of various topics um I really do like the legal Twitter community I think it's really supportive I think that you don't have to have one. It helped me. It certainly helped me because I have met some really lovely people through it. Um, I have bonded with people who are like, you know, different parts of the profession, different places. And, you know, they'll maybe, you know, say, oh, I had this experience or you should go here and they give you little recommendations. I've really enjoyed it. I don't think you have to have it. Um, and I think that you have to, I, I don't like saying this part because, you know, I don't think any of us get it right, but you just have to use it in a very careful way because I say this, but we're only ever one tweet away from, you know, saying something ridiculous. Um, but, but I would say that I've really enjoyed it. It would pain me to delete it, mm-hmm. but I don't think that, you know, I don't know if the risks outweigh the benefits sometimes. But, um, oh, the other thing I would say is that some students have used it to really good effect to sort of ask questions about their applications and things. And it's a really good way if you don't know people in the profession to sort of put that out there or get a bit of advice. So if I were doing it again, I probably, I probably would get one. Um, I don't know about legal TikTok, whether that's a It is, actually. <laughs> I, I mean, I've seen, I, I think, I don't know about, is it, is it a thing in the UK? I think so. Well, I'm not 100% sure oh. about how big the community is, but I've definitely seen okay. some legal influencers on. Okay. I will, I will check them out yeah. from afar. I won't join that. That's not, that's not for me. I think people will be like, you need to leave. But, but, um, but I think, you know, people get different effects. Some people use Instagram to talk about what they're doing and things yeah. as well. I kind of keep my Twitter more for kind of, um, I mean, a bit of law and then really bizarre things that kind of strike me as interesting but I think it's I think it's a really useful form for getting you know some news genuine legal news and there's some great bloggers who kind of tweet their blog posts and things and you know um I would say that if you follow those people you can get a lot of good out of it but whether you need to build your own I'm going to I'm going to chicken out of the question after a long time of not answering it and saying (laughs) I probably would do it but I wouldn't say you have to yeah, that's fine. I mean, I wondered if, you know, it was the new way that sort of barristers got instructed or anything like that, or whether you've ever got work from it 
at all. I've, I've had people come up to me in places and say, oh, you know, I follow you on Twitter and or and I've had a solicitor say to me on a case say, oh, and by the way, you know, I follow you on Twitter. And I've also I've also in a social setting met a judge who said I saw da 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 on Twitter and I was like, that's when I realized that judges are on Twitter. I think I didn't know that until then. Um, so no, it hasn't, it hasn't, it hasn't sort of gone into instructions, but then again, I also, I don't tweet about my cases or anything like that. I tweet about more policy things and things that interest me. But for me personally, I don't tweet about the cases I'm involved in. That's just my own choice. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. So, Okay. So, Joanne, what has been the highlight of your career so far? The first thing that comes to mind is call night because call night for me was was really special. Um, my parents, being able to show my parents Lincoln's Inn and, you know, have them sort of experience that with me was, was a huge moment um, for me. And I think for them as well, because, you know, it's, it's such a grand setting, the end that you know you can't help but think that it's special. Um, but you know there there have been lots and lots of moments that you know have been highlights in their own way. I really enjoyed the Pegasus scholarship. I loved the phone call telling me that I'd gotten tenancy. Um, I loved you know um, getting my pupillage in the first place. I've loved um, just meeting people, um, clients, and um, barristers and and actually you know being able to work on cases you know it's a, it's a real privilege I, do, I I would say none of those highlights include getting up at 4am for a train somewhere but once you're on the train it's okay so um no there there are lots but I think call night's a really obvious one but I think for me it it just sort of it's the start of everything so that's why it's you know it was a night full of hope and excitement I can only imagine that that must have been awesome and awesome experience. Yeah, the, the photos, the photos are funny. The photos are funny because <laughs> my grin is just breaking through my own face. So it's awesome. yeah, great. Um, so you mentioned the Pegasus scholarship, and I'd really like to ask you about that because um, I don't know too much about it, but it sounds really exciting, and um, I know that you got to go abroad as well. Um, so yeah, yeah, could you please tell us more about that? So the Pegasus Scholarship is, so the Pegasus Trust administers scholarships that allow young barristers to learn about the legal systems in other countries. I have always been a big fan of the USA. It's always been, you know, I've always been interested in their, um, you know, their, uh, sorry, I've just had an email flash up across my screen standard. Um, I've always been interested in US policy and politics and um, I just thought it would be a great opportunity. So I, I had the opportunity to go out and the American Inns of Court looked after us in the most fantastic way. Um, myself and one other young barrister went out and we went um, primarily based in Washington, D.C., but we also spent time in California and Virginia and Wyoming. And we learned about, you know, the federal and state legal systems and how they intertwine. And we spent time with the U.S. Supreme Court 
and we got to, you know, um, kind of listen to cases and go backstage at the Supreme Court, which is unbelievable. And, you know, we um, we spent an amazing time in, you know, the, the governor's office in California learning about, you know, their their work on the death penalty moratorium. And we just got to... Um, learn about the fact that actually a lot of the challenges in in the legal system that lawyers have to encounter are very much shared and you have so much in common with your counterparts you know we'd tell them about things that you know were going on in our court system and they would mimic them and say oh yeah we have that and it was it was it, it was a real lesson in the fact that you do have more in common than you do have apart although you know there are some obvious differences in the systems so it was just this fantastic opportunity it was a once in a lifetime experience and the American Inns of Court rolled out the red carpet there's a lady there called Cindy Dennis who like treated us amazingly and you know it was it was really, really a fantastic experience. It does sound like living the dream, going to all those really nice places as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the American Inns of Court, we have four here. They have so many. And oh, the really? ones that we visited, yeah, the ones that we visited were amazing. I mean, in Sacramento, they really rolled out the red carpet for us. In Maryland, we went into one of their Inns of Court and it was amazing and and Wyoming, they took us to an air missile base for a law lecture on the use of force. Anyway, this is the unfortunate thing. When you ask me about that trip, I talk about it constantly. So I'll stop myself. But um, suffice to say, it was an amazing, amazing time. And, um, you know, hopefully I've made some lifelong friends. That, that really does sound amazing. Okay, so I do have one final question, and that is, can listeners connect with you on social media, so perhaps Twitter or something like that? Yeah, so I'm I'm on all the, I think we've covered, I'm not on TikTok, I'm not on Facebook. <laughs> yes. um, I think the day that I joined TikTok is a sad day for the platform, um, so <laughs> I think that probably won't happen, but you know, never say never. Um, yeah, I'm pretty much on all the other normal social media channels, and yeah always always happy to um connect with people and what i would say is that if you are interested in being a barrister anybody listening um there's a guide that we've created called the inside guide to life at the bar and it's more catered for people who are actually at the point of entering the profession but hopefully it gives a flavor for you know what it's like being an employed barrister or a self-employed barrister and um yeah i really hope that you know it encourages some people to join this profession that I love and you know has treated me so well so yeah that's that's what I would ask and you know of course if anybody does want to um to get in touch with the YBC we're very easily contactable our email address is available online um obviously we don't help students um but we can deal with any issues that you know are you know more widespread and come to the pupillage fair later in the year if you'd like to meet us learn more and um yeah it's going to be online so we'll reach all parts of the country hopefully brilliant well i'll leave the um link to the young barristers committee in the notes for the podcast and the youtube channel as well so people will be able to check you out and um yeah hopefully attend the pupillage yeah it'd be great it'd be great thank you so much camilla
Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been great to have you on here. Um, you've got, you've had, you've given us some really amazing stories. And yeah, well, uh, thank you to all the listeners for um, tuning in, and thank you to anyone who's watching on YouTube as well. So have a great day, and we'll see you in the next one. episode is sponsored by the University of Law. What really sets the University of Law apart from other universities is its belief that its students should learn in a realistic, professional and contemporary context. They focus exclusively on practice-based training and give students access to their extensive career service and jobs vacancy database as soon as they accept a place. Through the University of Law's pro bono program, law students can hone their skills by working on real cases before they graduate. The University of Law offers a range of postgraduate legal training and master's degrees designed by qualified experts to help students advance at any stage of their career. Their courses are employment focused, honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. Part-time and online study options are also available on many of their courses to help students work and study at the same time. The University of Law will help you reach your ambitions by delivering an outstanding academic and employment focused experience honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. As soon as you begin your studies with ULaw, you'll learn how to think and act like a lawyer. Whether your aspirations are in law or other fields, their courses will balance academic rigor and practical skills so your career starts from day one. To find out more about the courses they have on offer, just click the link in the description box of the podcast. To hear more of the Student Lawyers podcast, hit the subscribe button and leave us a star rating and review. If you would like to join The Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com.